and welcome to the Scots Wehey Best Books of 2019 podcast. And I am joined, as I am every year, by Vicky Riley from Publishing Scotland. Hello, Vicky. Hello. And we are going to talk about our year in books, if yes. you're happy to do that. I'm happy to do that. Um, I want to start uh, talking about a book that actually came out, I'm going to cheat already, at the end of uh, last year, it came at the very end of last year, 2018, but I didn't read it or review it until 2019, so I'm going to claim it for this year. And that is uh, Beer Jacket's Silver Cords, a beer jacket otherwise known as Peter Kelly, and I think you're aware of it as well. Oh yeah, I've got a copy. <laughs> um, we should say it is it's an interesting publication. Book. Well, it is more than a book. It comes with its own soundtrack, <laughs> yeah. and that's interesting for itself. So it's a collection of short stories, but there's also a CD as well of the songs which match the stories. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know, Beer Jacket is best known previously as a musician. That's how I first got to know him. A fantastic singer-songwriter, but this, uh, I mean, this is kind of better than it's any right to be, uh, I think, in terms (laughs) of the the short stories, uh, because they are really, really good. And for us, well, it's hard to say say he's a debut writer, but that is exactly what he is as well. But the stories are really self-assured, really moving, and it is like he's been doing it for a long, long time. I mean, he is a kind of master of words he cares about yeah. you just have to listen to his songs and as you say very moving and very personal and almost surreal in places there's twists that you don't expect and that's in in the stories too yeah it, it's just um he, he, he kept well reading the stories he comes across as a much more seasoned writer yeah than, definitely than what a first collection should uh should be <laughs> yeah absolutely and it was interesting that it came out on Scottish Fiction, uh, which is Neil Wilson's uh, indie record label, mm-hmm. um, because I think, I'm right in saying we maybe spoke about Stephen Watts' mixtape yeah. last year, which yeah. came out on last night from Glasgow. Yeah. So there was this move, it, well, it didn't become a huge move uh-huh. by any means, but it was interesting to see that other people were starting to think about publishing books. Yeah, and um, just because, you know, uh, not we've not really had another one uh, since Beer Jacket doesn't mean that it's not going to happen again. I hope it does happen again because I, I think the, the, the mix of um, stories and music is it's, it's an obvious one, really. It is, but, and this, but this was clearly... Because um, I spoke to him in the podcast, which you can still listen to um, in January as well, and it's really a very, uh, a very personal project for him and um, I think it got really well received yeah. he said um, events at a lot of uh, yeah, book went, festivals I did I saw him at, um, at the Edinburgh Book Festival it was a great show yeah. really great show and uh, so I think if we call it a start to the year it was a really good an interesting start to the year. And it's a perfect gift because it's a beautiful thing as well. We should say that. It yeah. absolutely is. It's lovely hardback. Yeah. Be- I mean, the quality of the paper. I don't think you want from a really good book. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got somebody in your life that's a little bit difficult for <laughs> but you know they like music, but maybe something a little bit different, then yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's got lovely illustrations. It's really well laid out. It's lovely. It's lovely. I think <laughs> I might say the illustrations are from... Julia from Julia and the Duggins, who um, often sings with uh, uh, Peter as well. Oh. So uh, he's kept it kind of um, in... It's, it's all something that is personal and he's got friends uh, involved with it um, to go along with him. Um, and it's great because you can go and see him perform, sing a few songs, he'll read from the um, book as well, and it, it just works really well. So do check out that out, because sometimes books that come out at the beginning of the year are 
forgotten yeah. when we do these roundups. <laughs> um, but one which definitely uh, wasn't forgotten, no. and who could ever forget him, uh, David Keenan's For the Good Times, yeah. um, which won the Gordon Byrne Prize, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's, I must admit, out of all the li- literary prizes, that's the one that I always think throws up the most interesting shortlist. Oh, that's so interesting. All, yeah, I always pay attention to that one a bit more, just because... The books are always... They're not the ones that you see covered in newspapers over and over and over again. So you're... so And, and because Gordon Burns' writing, his, his, his own writing was so interesting, I think that, that's, that, that goes with the character of... of um, so what is the um, criteria behind the prize, do you know? I think it's... You've got to do something interesting with... With fiction, so, so something a bit, a bit literary yeah. and exciting, experimental, that sort of thing. Yeah, and and something that that does something new with both fiction and non-fiction as well. Right. Because Gordon Byrne himself sort of blended those um, boundaries as well. Well, David um, certainly blends boundaries with his look. Um, shatters I'm, them. Shatters <laughs> them. Yeah. For the good times is 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 based on the 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 early life of his father and, and uncles in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Um, young guys obsessed with uh, Perry Como, of all people, <laughs> um, and who, not just with the music, but the way he dresses and the way he is, the attitude. And just as the 70s are starting to move in and you're getting people, uh, as we did in Scotland and Northern Ireland, who are starting to have longer hair and hippie <laughs> ideals and all of that stuff, and they can't quite get their heads around this, even though they are all kind of united by the the movement at the time, which was the Republican movement. And it would take a whole hour to explain this book to you. (laughs) I I will say we did a podcast with him again at the the beginning of the year where David explains it for himself, and it's a great lesson, I have to say. Yeah, it's one of my favourite of your podcasts. Yeah, he's he's great company, um, whether in person or just uh, in your ears. uh, Definitely... Uh, check it out um, and that was on Faber uh-huh. and Faber um, also released uh, released. we're getting music head on published a book by Alan Trotter I think it's his debut yeah it was called Muscle yeah uh-huh. and was that one that you were aware yeah, of yeah funnily enough like, well this year I've been reading books in couples a lot mm-hmm. uh, um, so I read For the Good Times with Milkman yes and I thought they were a really good match yes and Milkman won the Booker last year, yeah, yeah in two thousand eighteen. as well. Yeah, they were, and they're both, and they both actually tackle the same things about the performance of living through um, the troubles. Yeah, um, but both done in completely different ways because um, you know, for the good times is told very much from a male perspective, and Milkman's told from a female perspective. But they are really great complementary titles. But Muscle, um, I read later on in the year, and I read it with um, Kevin Barry's Nightboat from Tangiers. Right. Which they're very similar. They're both like sort of two gangsters waiting about. Yeah, yeah. So waiting for Godot with <laughs> yeah. gangsters, really, isn't both it? Both of them are like that. <laughs> Actually, there's a probably there's probably a bit more action in Muscle. There was quite a lot of scenes in that that were where you just had to sort of read it through one eye, kind of thing. <laughs> it's an in- such an interesting book. It's it, it is noir, mm-hmm. but there's also kind of sci-fi aspect to it as well because there's this weird time-travelling thing that goes on in it. Well, is that all in his head, though? Well, like, whether it is or not, it's on the page. 
and you've got this uh, object which he imbues with kind of great meaning and all yeah. that. And one of the characters, of course, is never named. It's just yeah. blank and underlined yeah. and through the whole thing. Um, it reminded me of, uh, do you know the filmmaker Ryan Johnson? I don't know. No, he did a film called Brick. I think I've heard of that film, yeah. Yeah. Is that the guy from Third Rock from the Suns in it? It is, yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, Yeah, which is, again, a fantastic noir film but set in high school. Yeah. That's a great film, you know, like, the the kids are all trying to (laughs) be really You're always adding to my list of films to see as well. (laughs) Well, This is not the film one, but but the comparison is worth making because he also did a film called Looper, which was, again, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis. I've got vague memories of of what that's about as well. Bruce Willis has to go back in time to kill himself. So there's this real time loop and he's a gangster. And if anyone is going to make the film version of Muscle, it's got to be Ryan Johnson, (laughs) I think. Um, but for uh, first of all, for, uh, I mean, it was it's fascinating. It's so inventive, like David's book. It just is doing something new and yeah. experimental, and you just don't expect it, and it pulls it off. Which is and yet, terrible. with all the experimental um, issues with form and 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 what they're, the it's still the both books are still very much about fate and how you can't escape your own fate and and that's that search. In violent men for for some kind of tenderness and not being able to grasp it at the end and it, it yeah it's for so for books that are quite violent and visceral there's moments of real proper heartache as well oh yeah I mean I it's a while I haven't read it since uh, start of the year but the, I have a memory of of the ending of Muscle being really really moving yeah you know uh, there's bits of in interspersed all through it where they come up against somebody that could be maybe some kind of salvation but it isn't in the end yeah yes exactly and that's similar with Nightboat from Tangiers as Ah, well ah okay yeah I wasn't going to mention this, but I will now because we're talking about something that's experimental and all about fate and not being able to avoid it. Did you read David Cameron's Prendergast's Fall? No, no. Should say here, not that David Cameron. <laughs> it's the poet David yeah, Cameron. Yeah, nobody cares about that <laughs> David Cameron's book. Um, it was a publisher called Imprint, is that right? They're a new publisher, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And this was their first mm-hmm. moving to fiction. I think yeah. they'd done um, sports books and things like that before. Um, Stephen Cameron, uh, David's brother, is involved in it. But this was about Prendergast Fall, and it's the story of Prendergast, who's just about to take the leap from the edge, or is he, as you <laughs> doubt about it's all in muscle, his mind. <laughs> But he's just about to jump, basically, and it's about the fall and what goes through his mind as he is falling, and he looks back from that point all the way to the moment of his birth. Right. And then you take the book and flip it round because the cover is the same but different. Um, one's black and one's sepia, if you like. Maybe not sepia is the wrong one. But um, you can flip it round literally and start. And you start at the beginning of the birth and you go all the way up to that ledge. And it's the same story, but it's not told the same way. Right, OK. But if you're not careful reading it, you might think it is told the same way, but it's not. There's different things, different memories come in. But there's that thing about fate as well. Yeah. It's really interesting. It takes a wee while to get your head round, particularly the second time, because you're making assumptions that you know the story and it's yeah. being told by the same narrator. It's funny, like, while I've, while I've been re- reading books in doubles, and now they were talking, and it's funny how, like, this year, and I don't know if it's this year in particular, 
that you do get books that are so well matched and it seemed like they're obviously as something in the psyche of write of writers at the moment to sort of tackle those things in experimental ways as well. Uh, it's an interesting thought and I've thought about this um, before and is it just that you, because obviously as you know better than me there's lots of books getting published <laughs> at any point so um, do you just pick out the ones and go oh there's a link there and there's a link there or is it the case that there is something um in the mood you know and I, I think I, often there I is I, 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 I don't know maybe because I'm paying more attention to general generally in books now more than specifically to like a single publisher yeah. I'm noticing it more uh, yeah um so well, well should say that you do the books from Scotland website yeah mm-hmm. and so you are getting a I mean, not just fiction, you everything. Yeah. Uh, and, and often taking the best of that and putting it up on the website. Mm-hmm. So you could kind of perfectly place to see what those trends and what those ideas are and how they shift. And I, I didn't notice that until later on in the year. Because, like, uh, because I read Milkman and For the Good Times right at the beginning of the year, I thought I was just going to read that as a doubler. But then I just started noticing, oh, those two books will go well together. Those two books will go well together. So that's that's how my writing... Um, Sorry, my reading has gone. Yeah, because year. often, because often you might think, oh well, this book which has had great success or at least great attention might spark lots of people to um, do something similar. But, but when they like, come out at the same yes, time, exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not a case of saying, oh, isn't the bridge yeah. a bit like uh-huh. Lanark? It's yeah. something that comes out at the same time, yeah. and almost like they haven't. People have maybe never met each other, I know. and when you start to talk as we're doing now, people go. Oh, no, I didn't know about that. It happens right across the board. It's yeah. very interesting. Do you think there is such a thing as a cosmic consciousness? <laughs> That's a question for David the next okay. time I see him. Um, so next I would like to talk about uh, David F. Ross's mm-hmm. new book. So in the past he's done his Disco Days trilogy, yeah, mm-hmm. um, which ended with The Man Who Loved Islands. And this was, uh, it's not a standalone, it's a new series, I believe, but it was Welcome to the Heady Heights. Right, I didn't know it was a new series, I well, thought it was standalone. Well, maybe it is, maybe I've got that wrong, maybe he's, not, he's got good. There, I think there are characters in it right. that will come back in other books, yeah, having spoke to David, I've, I'm fairly Well, I've sure. seen on Twitter he's just handed in his manuscript for uh, his next one. Yeah, I'm fairly sure he's maybe got this world that he's kind of creating of... Uh, 70s smart arses, <laughs> uh, you know, for want of a better term. Because the thing about David is that the language in his books, it just fizzes off the page. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's got this great ear for how people talk uh, um, and a, with, in a terrible way, we might call it banter, but it's not as a patter or whatever you want to call it. But it's the, See, line, it's the way people I'm, talk to each yeah, other. Yeah, I'm sad that the word banter has become a cheapened because loads of folk are being publicly rubbish at it yeah. <laughs> it's because they were bants with a z yeah been, yeah ruining it struck off <laughs> but um so it's it's kind of a, a crime book i suppose it's a it's a dipping his toe into crime but it's and it's looking at your our beloved entertainers from the 70s yeah. that have turned out to be not so beloved as we once <laughs> thought they were it certainly touches and goes into that yeah. um, world it's very funny it's outrageous in places um, I think it's the best thing he's done so far um, I, and yeah this kind of idea of comedy crime I, I really like the idea of, if you can make it dark and still make it funny that's not an easy thing to do and not just funny but like 
human as well, like in a way, in a way that um, because uh, in my year of doublers, yes. I've paired um, David Ross's book with a book from Sandstone Press, which was released earlier this year called Finer Things by um, David Wharton. Right. And both of them remind me of books. I don't know. I'd I, I hesitate to call them old fashioned because, but they're, but they feel like books that haven't been written and for a long time, but used to be written about, where it takes, like, really ordinary people that have, like, an inner life and dreams and aspirations and puts them in a bit of an extraordinary situation where, you know, the outcome can go either way because, you know, dodgy dealings are going on. And then, they you know, even, like, things like old 60s books, like Suburbia, Billy Liar, and mm-hmm. all those kinds of books about dreams and ordinary people... And but they've got a, a rattling good plot and characters that you can actually think you could go down to the pub with as well. Um, so I've put those two together in my head this year. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's one that's similar to that which I mentioned in a minute. But what was that one, David Wharton? Finer things. Oh, I don't know that. It's about um, it's set in sixties London. Right. And um, it's just as London's about to start swinging. Yeah. And it's about um, uh, uh, two girls sort of come into each other's lives. One is a working class shoplifter and one is a new sort of art student girl, you know, like sort of first generation going into like further education and sort of dreaming to get out of suburbia and all that kind of thing. And they meet and um, and get involved in sort of um, like dodgy underworld business. And uh, But again, it's, it's that sort of thing of ordinary people wanting to break out of of their situation, but they kind of get themselves in trouble trying to do it. So is it the kind of London of Michael Caine and the craze and yeah. all that? You expect them to be photographed uh, in black and white? But it's totally... Of... It doesn't... Like, when you say that, you kind of, it kind of feels like there's some kind of stereotyping going on there. Mm. It's not like a governor and all that. Yeah. It's, it's really real. Yeah. But again, it's got humour and it's got great characterisation and good dialogue as well. Well, Welcome to the Heady Heights uh, it was set, as I say, in the 70s in Glasgow, mm. um, as was Alan Park's February Sun, which is the second his uh, um, series. And if it goes the way it's going, we'll yeah. have 12 of them at least. Well, yeah, the, the first one uses March, but in the surname of somebody. No, the first one uses January. No, no, sorry, the third one, the one that's yeah. coming out next yeah, year. Yeah, that's right, Bobby um, March or something yeah, like that. Yeah, uh-huh, because I just, again, I just saw that on Twitter recently because folk are sort of starting to... Talk about what's coming out next year. Um, tremendous uh, book, real cracking, pacey crime uh, fiction is what Alan uh, writes. And um, what he really does is capture the minutiae of the time, but he doesn't overdo it. Mm. You know, sometimes you get these books set yeah. in a different decade, and it's just a list of, you know, space hoppers, choppers, blah, blah, blah. For my car and all this kind of, yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't. It's, it's little subtle things. Um, and even if you don't know them, you think, no, this this feels true, absolutely feels true. Um, and it's a, a, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic book to, to read I, for that. I do series. have the January one on my shelves, but I, I, I need to get around to it. Maybe I'll do that at Christmas. Oh, do you know what? They're the perfect cold outside, you yeah. put it in and, you know, scare yourself senseless <laughs> because there are people like that in the world. I, I have to say, they are a spectacularly um, violent in areas. In fact, do you know what? That's not fair. Mm. It's that kind of psycho shower scene thing. You think they are because yeah. of, you see the aftermath or whatever, mm-hmm. but you don't actually get the violence. But what you do is when they turn up at the crime scene, and Christopher Brookmar does this yeah. brilliantly as well, 
the description of what's happened to the body is enough for you to kind of go, oh, what's been going on here? And he does that uh, really, really well. Um, it's been an interesting year with crime fiction. Yeah. And we always good. have to talk about crime fiction. Yeah. Bloody Scotland, for instance, seems to be going from strength to strength. As yeah. A and uh, the, I actually called the McIlvany Prize this year. Um, uh, both prizes. Um, the, the Treachery of Spies, the one that won the... Um, the McIlvany, though in the end she, um, Manda Scott, uh, shared the prize with everybody else on the shortlist. But that was one of the first books that I read in 2019. Right. <laughs> I was trying to remember what, what year, year <laughs> um, and, and as soon as I read it, I was just like, this is, this is crime, but it's, a, it's crime and thriller, and it's, but it's a step above. It's really, it's a really good, really involving book where you just get, where you, I always I've listened to it on audiobook and it always annoyed me because I would listen to it walking to work and it really annoyed me when I got to my work because I had to turn it off because it was you go round the block <laughs> yeah. just to make sure you get to the end of that chapter yeah so it's set it's set in um, well it's set in the present day and in World War Two so uh-huh. so it's about a, a murder and it's not a spoiler to say that the old woman that is is, is murdered it turns out that she um, was a resistance fighter and spy in mm. World War Two, and the twists and turns and the betrayals and oh my god, it just it's, it's yeah. So it's really, crime and historical fiction yeah, uh-huh. together. Yeah. And um, who's the other? When well, gonna... um, I read them all apart from one. So I read so Ambrose Parry the oh Art, yes, um, not the Art of Dying. That's the second one, The Way of All Flesh. Yes, um, which was brilliant as well. Denise Miner's Conviction, mm-hmm. which I, th- I thought was really good fun, um, and Breakers, uh, Doug Johnson. But I didn't. I've not read that one. I yet. have read that one, and I have to say, um, it's it's among Doug's best ever. Mm. I I, mean, I love Doug Johnson's work. I think I reviewed. All of his books, apart from the very first one, which was before Scott Waits got started. He's a machine. Started. He is fantastic. He's got two books coming out in the <laughs> in, uh, next year as he well. He just doesn't stop. <laughs> and uh, and I did want to talk about Breakers, so that's uh, lucky, because it's uh, set in Edinburgh, and uh, where his fiction, I think, really comes alive is when he's dealing with families. Mm. Um, he's very, I mean, no one writes at the pace. I, think, I don't mean the pace as in how quickly he writes, but the books just go... You know, you're there, you're in it. He kind of often with a book like Hit and Run, for instance, mm. you're in the car and you're driving through the streets and you know there's going to be a thing and by the end, you're finished. And you're going, <laughs> my God, it's a, it, he's stunning in that way. But um, his best books, I think, are when there's a real family dynamic to mm. it. And in this one, you've got a young uh, man who is having to look after his um, sick mother and a young sister and is being used by his um, older brother. Um, we've talked about Beats before we started recording. Yeah. There's a similar dynamic uh-huh. there between the brothers, right. if you've seen the film Beats. Um, but, he, you know, to housebreak and, and mm-hmm. you know, commit crime. And, and then, he, you know, he, he has the salvation that you're talking about yeah. in Muscle, uh, the possibility of salvation. Uh, very moving, very fast-paced, but, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's among the best uh, Doug Johnson novels, and I that's rating it very highly because I do think he's he's one of the best um, writers that we have. And uh, I also wanted to mention his. It always seems like partner in crime. I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> but Hel- whenever I see Doug Johnson at an event, Helen Fitzgerald yeah, is nearly always uh, funny, beside him it? because they work. It's like a double act. Yeah. They work so well together. I mean, 
and uh, clearly respect each other's writing, mm-hmm. um, but clearly um, have great fun doing these events, you know, and, and that's going back years. I saw them, oh man, it must be about seven, yeah. six, seven years ago yeah. they were doing that. And her latest one was um, Worst Case Scenario. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is interesting because there's scenes at the Edinburgh Book Festival. Oh, really? Oh, yes, yeah. Oh, she's, the, the, the central character ends up uh, I've got Margaret a, Again, it's another one that's on my shelf that I've I think that's right. Or at least, no, it is that right. What, the character goes to see Margaret Abbott? No, 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 in the yurt. <laughs> she ends up beside her because things have gone very, very wrong. So I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but uh, there's a character who um, has been in jail and she's kind of helped make sure that he'd stayed in jail to this point, uh, her, the, the narrator. She's um, the parole officer. That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's right, and kind of social services yeah. side of things, that's uh-huh. it. And doesn't think he should be out. And uh, she's coming to the end of her time in the job mm-hmm. and, you know, it becomes, it's fair to say, obsessed with this guy who has written a book which has given him a certain celebrity and he's uh, going to be at the book festival right, okay. doing his book. And, um, yeah, it, it, there's lots of twists and turns in this one as well. <laughs> but the scenes in the Edinburgh Book Festival are worth getting the book for those alone, for anyone who's been there, because it's hilarious and spot on and clearly written by someone who's who has been, been there. <laughs> Many times and has had her kind of eye and ear open for for um, what's going on. Um, and the other one I wanted to mention, uh, well, there's another two, but Douglas Skelton's ah, Thunder Bay. Yeah, I've got that on audio. It's my it's my next uh, lined up audio book that I've not looked because at the moment I'm listening to well, another good Scottish book. Um, I'm listening to Nina Allen's The Dollmaker at the All moment, right. which is really really good. Okay, and what but, genre is that? If you can see, it's well, she's she's more known as a as a science fiction writer, mm-hmm. but this one's um, I suppose there's an element of sci-fi. It's sort of it's unsettling. Hot. It's not horror, but it's it's very straight. It's a sort of strange mishmash of um, of outsiders and. And they're and, and interspersed with the story of this guy that makes dolls and, and loves dolls and he makes friends with this woman who's in a mental hospital and um and, and so and then then they're gonna to come together at some point. I've not got to that bit yet. Okay. <laughs> but interspersed through it is stories written from um a, a writer slash doll maker. Oh um, and they're all sort of these really weirdly creepy books. Uh, stories that are all that all seem to sort of have things in common but also seem to hark back to the life that the two main characters are living as well so yeah I'm a bit I'm a bit I'm really intrigued as to where it's going to go it sounds a bit like tales of the unexpected it's kind of, it feels kind of like that it really does and and I, I think it's a shame that it's, it's, that's it's a book that I think should have got more fuss made mm-hmm. of it this year hopefully with a paperback edition it might it might do and uh, so after that, you're going to have a listen to... And then to Thunder Bay, Thunder yeah. Bay. So Thunder Bay, um, we, we, I think every year we've done this, we've talked about Douglas, because again, very <laughs> prolific yeah, yeah. and fantastic and really varied. But the Janice run was that last year, I think? Yeah. The one that's uh-huh. set in New York, yeah, and, yeah. you know, should have been picked up to made into some kind of film. Absolutely, So yeah. good. But this is him back in Scotland. Thunder Bay's off the West Coast of Scotland, I think, and it's about um, a character going back home and finding that 
there's the secrets and lies that you would expect there, and there's um, trafficking going on, and um, the a division between the folk who walk the land and the folk who own the land, and right. you get the feeling Douglas was getting a lot of kind of stuff off his chest, but he's now got to stage where he's just writing these incredible thrillers and, and doesn't miss a beat with them, I think. I know, I'm looking forward to getting on to it after... I wouldn't, I wouldn't give anything away then, <laughs> since you're going to be listening But I do it. know that, he, that he's the next one in that series is coming out quite oh, early great. next oh, that's year. That's The Blood is Still or something like okay. that, it might be. It's, that's something to look I forward think, to. I think it's something like that, that's the title. But they, um, most of these books that I'm mentioning, a lot of them are on my kind of top... 10, uh, which you'll see over at the, the website when I, I post it up. In fact, I probably posted before you hear this. <laughs> but um, a number five in that is another crime book, and it's Claire McCleary's ah. Runaway. Another podcast guest this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating woman, yeah, Claire is. And these, if you don't know, this is the third in the series of books with Maggie Laird and Big Wilma Hartis. <laughs> Big Wilma. Big Wilma. So two uh, middle-aged women who are uh, private investigators in Aberdeen and the reason I like the books so much and the characters in particular are um, often with crime fiction in general and particularly a lot of the Scottish crime fiction is it's about a loner at the heart of it you know mm. um, uh, Rebus or Parlabane or whoever um, Maverick loner Maverick loner <laughs> yeah often male Maverick loner and here you've got um, two women who it, they have to deal with the every day of the family mm. Uh, and that still has to, to come first. And you've got uh, Maggie's daughter who just can't quite believe what she's still doing and why she's doing it. Sometimes they can't believe they're still doing it <laughs> and why they're doing it. And it takes them to dangerous places in Aberdeen. And, you know, in Aberdeen, that's saying something <laughs> a lot of dangerous places. Um, they're just terrific books. The characters are just so warm and you're just on their side. And even when they're falling out, you just... You know, yeah, it's... It, it is fantastically um, thrilling crime fiction, but there's another dimension to it, yeah. which I just really, really enjoy. Well, that's the thing with with, with crime. Well, I, I, it does my head in that folk get snobby about it because there's such a variety and um, way to do it. Well, that's what I hope, Just that even just the last five, yeah. ten minutes that we've been talking about, that you've seen that in this year alone, and we have only scratched the surface. Yeah. We could have talked about Stephen Watts' Fairy Rock. We yeah. might do that later on. <laughs> Crime fiction in poetry and pro- in verse. But there's something for everyone there, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and the notion that, like, it all follows a formula is not true. <laughs> no, no, no. That's just lazy thinking, that is. <laughs> I, just, I, I refuse to believe it would sell if that was the case. Yeah. I don't think... I mean, it's all right maybe even for one writer to have a formula, you know, like when I used to read, you know, Jack Higgins or whatever, the 78 the Precincts. There was clearly a formula, but that was the that was the writer, that was up to mm-hmm. them, but there's not like, this is a crime book and here's yeah. how it goes. But I think for a while they were maybe sold a little bit like that in terms of booksellers, and yeah. that's maybe put, it certainly maybe put me off. I think th- there's, there's a truth in that. Um, like, like, I think a lot of readers do like uh, books that uh, are genre busters, but um, it's hard when you're trying to find the the right Nielsen bit code. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you're wanting to make the book visible to all the to online and all that kind of thing, that we you do have to kind of sort of try and box it in a little mm. bit, which is a shame. But it's it's just the the necessary part of commerce, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, got it, commerce. <laughs> um. Well, we've talked a little, at least one um, award 
winner earlier on, and here's one that's just won the Saltire Fiction book, is that the one that it won? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a Ewan Morrison's Nina X. Yeah. And this is an interesting book. Well, see, again, it's one that I've not read, but I'm waiting until it comes out on paperback. Well, I can tell you that um, it was interesting for me because I read it and then I started reviewing it. Mm -hmm. And then I realised, because when you're doing reviews, um, you know, you often um, do a bit of research behind what's going on. And I suddenly, I didn't suddenly realise, I realised that this was based on a true story and very, very closely based on a true story. I'd not heard of the true story either. No, no, so I had to go back and kind of restart the review with this in my head and think, oh, well, hang on a minute. And of course, if you're not familiar with Ewan's work, he often likes to, again, isn't just prepared to do the norm. He'll he'll use a lot of his personal experience. Um, If you think back to a um, Swingers or something like that, or Swung it was, wasn't Mm, it? Swung. Yeah. You know, intensely personal Mm -hmm. books. um, And Close Your Eyes, Mm -hmm. I think, is is another one about his own um, childhood. So he uses real life and real stories to, and then kind of fixes them, and this fictionalizes them. In a similar way to, I think, um, Andrew Hagen oh, does right. as well. Uh-huh. You know, there's a kind of almost journalistic aspect mm. to it. Well, that, that goes... I mean, that those would be ideal candidates for the Gordon Byrne Prize as well. Because mm. <laughs> they do... He, um, Ewan Morrison's books often do sort of blur the, the boundaries between fiction and non-fiction. Yeah. I, I think he, he's almost like a... Um, you know, back in the, the uh, 60s and 70s with Hunter Thompson and... Tom Wolfe, you had the, the called the Gonzo ah, journalists yeah, yeah, where they yeah. had to live it. You know, they went to the Kentucky Derby and hammered it. And I think with Ewan, there's a, not that he has to live anything with Nina X at all, yeah. but, you know, he has done the research clearly and he's take, this story has inspired him, is that the right word? But um, it's a story that is um, a, a brutal. And when, when you learn that it's based so closely on a real event, it's really shocking. I mean, it's shocking anyway, yeah. but it gives it an added level of shock. And I, know, I know I'll have to be in a robust state of mind when I'm, <laughs> when I'm reading it. But again, that was another book that, that I'm glad got recognition yes, at the Stall Tires because definitely. it kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Well, both that and David's book are... Um, I think as 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 good as Scottish fiction has been mm. recently, and it's so good to see them yeah. being uh, rewarded for that. The truth is, um, Scotland this year has done really well when it's come to to prize winners books from Scotland. So we've you know, well, I, mean, I suppose the Saltires obviously the book's yeah. going to come from Scotland, but we've had got um, the Gordon Byrne Prize for David Keenan, um, and we had of of uh, Ducks Newburyport. Which won the Goldsmith Prize and was shortlisted for the for the Booker as well. Which, now I know that's a favourite of yours. Uh, that was that's my book of the year. Yeah, if okay. I had to pick a book of the year, it would be Ducks Newburyport. Um, it's it's a huge thing for a start, and a lot of people in the in the publicity about it were always just banging on about its its formal experimentation and sort of lazily saying, "Oh, it's all one sentence," and "Oh, it's Ulysses," and mm-hmm. and again, you know, that's part of the whole sort of commerce of like the re- reviewers' world and the 
And Here's another work. book that you will never yeah. read that looks good on your bookshelves. But, but <laughs> and, and, and I hope, I, well, I don't think it has so far, but I hope it hasn't put people off because it's actually really, really easy to read. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is an inventive book because it, it is it's called, told completely from a single view. Well, it's not actually. The, the main character um, is this housewife in Ohio and it's just the portrait of her restless anxious mind just going over everything in her past and her present and and she and 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 a lot of most of the sentences start off with like the fact the fact that the fact that and she'll discuss everything from her own relationship with her husband and her kids to the pies that she's baking because that's what she does for money and then she'll she'll rant about donald trump she'll rant about gun violence in America, she'll talk about the environmental catastrophe that's heading our way, she'll talk about films like it's, she has a, an ongoing conversation in her head about the film It's Complicated with Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin um, and it's just like, you're so in the head of this of this woman and at the same time, it's totally got a plot, a lot of people think it's just like ramble, ramble, ramble but there is a, a shape and a structure to it and you know, you you get that sense of momentum. You get like this sense of foreboding when she's talking about violence and all that kind of thing. You're like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen, and things do happen. That so you sort of so that you understand her anxieties about what living in America is like nowadays mm-hmm. with with how uh, violence is and the Me Too movement and all that kind of thing. And there's also this this section too with that's told from the point of view of a mountain tiger that's lost her cubs and is trying to find her cubs. And they both coalesce, the, the, the two narratives, in a really brilliant way. And it's, it's just a fantastic, fantastic read. And I urge everybody to, to, to go and read it. I'm not going to deny that it's a thousand pages. By around about 600 pages, I was like, this is... I'm not going to say a slog, but it was... But, you know, you, you were working hard at it. It's but, quite a rarity these days, unless it's a big fantasy book that you've got a, yeah. a, a novel that size, yeah. isn't it? But, but then I think it's, it's a book best read in massive chunks. So, like, if you've got, like, two hours, like, to, to give to her or whatever, rather than just, like, when I was around about the 60, 600-word mark, it was, it was, I was just snatching, like, 20 minutes before going to sleep and all that kind of thing. And that's probably not doing it the service it deserves. Yeah, you can't really, kind of, you shouldn't really maybe pick it yeah. up on the train and, and all that kind of stuff. Remember when I was in hospital for a while, someone gave me um, Brett Easton Ellis' American Psycho. Oh, that's terrible to give to somebody that's recovering. But it's the perfect book. <laughs> To sit, I mean, again, all in his head. But say, yes, it was in some ways. I loved it. But uh, I was on drugs at the time. Um, but you could, you just read through the again long book, read through the whole thing brilliantly, yeah. and, and and so you get the full sense mm-hmm. of what's going on inside that person's head because you are with them from the beginning to the end in yeah. a similar way that um, a Kelman does with a lot of his novels. As well. That's the thing, like. For a lot of people, you can appreciate formal invention and all that kind of thing, but um, but you 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 grow to love a book if it's got heart as well, mm-hmm. and that's what you can say about James Kelman, mm-hmm. and that's definitely what you can say about the Lucy Ellman book as well. Yeah. Um. That you you yeah. It's very emotional and a really satisfying proper yeah. So for those who don't know it, give the title again. Ducks Newburyport, uh, winner of the Goldsmith Prize. <laughs> 
So, um, a book I'd like to talk about, which um, I, I did an event with the author for it, uh, is Karen Campbell's The Sound of the Hours. Um, and in a throwaway line in my review, because, you know, sometimes you do these things, I said it's Captain Corelli's Mandolin meets Catch-22. And I kind of <laughs> wish I hadn't done that now, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I mean, it is in a way, because particularly Catch-22, because it looks at the madness of war. Mm. But I think it was sold... Um, uh, or at least maybe was put out there hoping that it would catch the Captain Corelli's mm. um, readership, you know, as a, a wartime romance, you know, and despite all the odds, this couple kind of comes together, which is not what it's about at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it is historical fiction. It's set in Braga in Italy, which apparently is Italy's most Scottish town. Oh, they have a fish and chips festival. Since I have read this book, <laughs> and I've been recommending it to a lot of people saying you should read this, and the amount of people that not only just know Braga, but go to Braga, <laughs> yeah. and it's quite a pilgrimage for a lot of Scots. Yeah, because... Um, I'm sure there's a piping festival there as well. Yeah, we did... We did uh, I, I worked on a book years ago by a Scots-Italian called Joe Pieri, mm-hmm. and I think that's where his family was from, and that's how I know about the Fish and Chip Festival. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and there's a Scottish character in uh, The Sound of the Hours as well. Uh, but you really, the two central characters are um, Vita Guidi, who is a local girl, and the war is obviously kind of... She's trying to survive... Um, around about the time of Mussolini's fall so you know there are lots of split loyalties mm. within families and within villages and all that kind of thing and uh, and then you've got um, Frank Chappell who's the Buffalo Soldier and again the only thing I really knew about Buffalo Soldier was the Bob Marley song you know <laughs> I didn't really know and that's not true Remember, I've just remembered I read a book <laughs> called Buffalo Soldier which is a cracking book but um so he is an African-American uh, who joins the American army thinking he's going to, because he's an educated man, thinking mm. he's going to be uh, officer material. And it was like, no chance, son, you are mm. there and you're going to be sent over with other um, African-American buffalo soldiers of the record. And he ends up in Italy. And there is a romance there, mm-hmm. but... That is not the central run of it. Mm. Um, it's all about the detail and the background and the research that Karen's clearly done into what war was like at that point and and how everyday people had to try and survive when either they were thrown in as soldiers or were living in the middle of it. And with yeah, that because I've not read Seven Hours again. It's another book that I'm waiting for paperback because I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> Um, no, because I've, I've, I've read um, Mary Contini's um, Dear Alfonso, which talks about her family member that lived in Italy just before coming over to Edinburgh to start, Valvone and Carola, ah. and the bits about Italy in the Second World War and how so difficult it was for the the women folk to keep their houses together to even just like feed their children it was it was it was quite heartrending but yeah. i'm really looking forward to reading that uh, it's a beautiful hours. book it's a really beautiful written book as well i mean i think karen's one of the finest around and uh oh, that fear brings a tear to your eye i tell you <laughs> i like books like that absolutely <laughs> um a book that might bring a tear to your eye, but for completely different reasons, is Gemma Neville's Constitution Street. Right. Which I think it's only the first non-fiction that we've mentioned tonight. Is that right? Tonight, yes. Uh-huh. Um, 
uh, we went to see her uh, doing a reading yeah. from it. Was it the launch? It might have been the could launch. Well been the launch. Yeah. Yeah, it came out on 404 Inc. Mm-hmm. You know, people, regulars will know, one of our favourite publishers. And um, it is a book which looks at the local to kind of try and make sense of the global, if that isn't mm. too, you know, a cheap way of saying it. Uh, Gemma herself uh, lives on Constitution Street yeah. in Edinburgh, which is just a bit further down from where we are now. Yeah, it's shut now because of the new trams coming in. <sighs> I won't bore you about that. <laughs> but that's an Edinburgh bugbear. Uh, can imagine. <laughs> and um, if Glasgow learns nothing, <laughs> yeah. don't bother with trams. <laughs> uh, and we, again, we was lucky enough to talk to Gemma on a podcast about the book. Um, but really, she takes a walk mm. down Constitution Street, getting to know her neighbours and the people that work there and the people that pass through there and the you know the different um, buildings are used for and the different spaces are used for and she used she, so you've got the structure of a kind of um, almost a travelogue if you like mm. but then you've also got the declaration of human rights and how the different human rights um, should be applied uh, and each chapter kind of looks at a different one yeah. and what strikes really closely to home is how we are failing people in nearly mm. every single one. Well, now, I know. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. <laughs> not us sitting here tonight. But um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a really, uh, it is a really moving book. It should make you angry. It certainly made me angry. Mm. Um, I tend to look at things through rose-tinted specs at times and think, oh, well, you know, isn't it great about meeting your neighbours? But as she said... Yeah, you might not get on with your neighbours, but yeah. it's still important to have some kind of understanding of the mm-hmm. people that you share a space with. And I think that's absolutely right. It's a terrific book. It's one of the most interesting books uh, published in Scotland for some time. I think. Yeah, it's, it's a great way to do social history as well, to, to bring it back to the, to the personal so that it doesn't just feel like a textbook. It, yeah. it, it is a it is a the story of the world that we're living in. It is a story, and it and it would um, worked for anyone. I mean, I you know initially I thought, well, is this this about living in cities? But no, it's not. Mm. It, it's you know knowing the people in your village or the next village or or in whatever. Um, the 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 principle remains the same, and. Um, you know, at the time, most people said, oh, this is a really timely book because, and including myself yeah. in that, I might say, because of um, the political situation at the moment and how, you know, there's this idea that societies have been divided and people are being pushed against each other and all that kind of stuff. But actually, that's universal. It never goes yeah. away. And you realise, <laughs> no, this book, is it could be read at any time mm-hmm. and it would make um, sense and it would strike a chord, I think. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, uh, and it's again, it's fantastically well written. Um, I'd, I'd really, I'm really, really interested good. to see what she does next as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Who knows? Um, but it, yeah, it, there was. I didn't read a lot of non-fiction this I year. I suppose um, if the, the sort of the the big Scottish book non-fiction book that that caused quite a lot of waves this year was probably very similar. I suppose as um, Kerry Hudson's Lowborn. Oh yes. Which sold really well, and you know Kerry Hudson was travelling up and down the country promoting it, um, and again, and 
it, her it's a much more personal story to her because she revisits play because she lived she she grew up in with quite a troubled um, background and she moved all over the country just sort of chasing council homes after council yeah, home yeah, and, yeah. and so she went back to these places to see if these neighborhoods have changed and what how the folk um, living there are living now and it's again it's one of those books that are it's, it's jaw dropping and it's one of the, and and something that that those without empathy or or those that are just, I don't know if they're ignoring or just not seeing what's happening out in the world. Mm. They just, but it just, they just need to, needed to read it, <laughs> and it's not, um, it's not new as well. Because um, again, in my doublers, I matched yeah. Kerry Hudson's book with um, Catherine Chukowska's book, which um, a proper person to be detained. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, I, well, time to talk about that then because yeah. it's a uh, now this is another interesting book. I, done this a couple of times and it maybe says more about me than anything else whereas I put expectations on what a book was going to be and I'd read some of Catherine's uh, a previous stuff and the Jean Armour books uh-huh. in particular which she wrote um, a but though that was fiction though yeah, yeah that's right this has kind of been pushed as a fiction but it's not it's, it, it's kind of it's it's like uh, who do you think you are? It is. Isn't it? Uh, really? Who do you think it is like that? Yeah, because I I actually think that who do you think you are is one of the most quietly rebellious TV shows uh, going at the moment. Because even though it's the BBC and you know they get their knocks now, yeah. <laughs> but like you know when they do go back and do those social histories and and they then they talk about you know how the British were in India and how the British were in Ireland and what working class lives were like in the Victorian age and no, 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 no. Well, Jerry Hall's forebears had been involved in the slave. And, you oh, know, is that she, right? She I didn't gen- see that episode. She was genuinely shocked. Right. Well, you know, you're... I didn't see that Texas, one. But you're, so you're right, people can be really... Because um, they don't lie, clearly. Yeah, yeah but Catherine's book is exactly like that. Um, it started off like it started off. She wanted to investigate her own family story. There, she was, had, there was an event, isn't yeah, there? a terrible event. As yeah, they said you know, most Potter. families have these stories where they're like, "Oh, your great granddad or something happened," and they talk about it, but they don't talk about it. And that was kind of like Catherine, yeah. where was it her great uncle? There's there's a uh, there's a murder yeah. as there often uh-huh. is in these things <laughs> um, at the beginning, and that's right at the beginning, so it's not a spoiler in yeah. any way. But what unfolds and what I think surprised me, because as you say, the, I'm used to kind of fictionalised historical um, books from, from Catherine. It was this um, a look into her family background that was just so vivid in terms of not just people and place. Mm-hmm. So she took this... I mean, the, the research was incredible, really, because she had... Um, what do you call it when the court notes things down? I can't think what the term is for that. But, mm. you know, court proceedings, I guess, is what it is about. You know, <laughs> the, the man who was accused of the murder and all this. And it's it's about class and it's about um, uh, gender and it's about poverty. Um, and immigration. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, of course. Yeah. Irish and Polish. Yeah. And, and, kind of, uh, and, and the way that different people are treated. Because if the, the, the history of how the um, Irish were treated in uh, in the UK uh, and on the mainland in particular is absolutely shocking. Yeah. There's quotations from Engels, as in Marx yes. and Engels, 
Well, you know, he's basically saying, uh, oh, the working man in England needs to rise up and do all Except these things. Except Irish. But Irish are not really, you know, they're kind of less. <laughs> no. I mean, it is. It's unbelievable that this man who, you know... I read the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> I was quite. Well, I know it's 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 lots of. Short, I mean, we've maybe heard the the no blacks, no dogs, no Irish yeah. signs that used to be up in pubs in the kind of beginning of the twentieth century and the late nineteenth um, century. But this goes behind that, and and it and has plenty of examples of of a immigrant Irish being treated as less than human. Mm, mm. Um, and there's. there's a thing which really um, connected with me is the family stayed for a while in the Carlton in Glasgow, which was five minutes from where I used to live. Right. And uh, and these streets uh, where I used to kind of walk past every day, which used to be packed with houses, and of course they've all been knocked yeah, down now because yeah. they would have been riddled with disease and whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just so interesting to see that social history, but told in, I think told... With the the mind of a writer of fiction, yeah, because uh-huh. there's you know it's not just and here they did that and here they did yeah, that. It's, there not is this kind of, it's not dry at all. It's not dry at all. It's a stunning book actually. The fact the more I think about it, the better I think it is, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's just so different from what um, I I thought it was going to be when it started out. Do you have any other non-fiction that you want to, to mention at all? Um. Well, actually, my favourite non-fiction book that I read uh, this year um, isn't Scottish. That's all right. <laughs> it was um, it was called At the Existentialist Cafe. Ah, and, yes, um, I've read that. Sarah Bakewell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. uh huh. Because I really liked her Montaigne book as well, and uh, and you know Paris and post, you know mm. Paris in the forties and fifties is kind of I, I kind of do have a soft spot for that and. But the the bits that I found more fascinating were not the bits that I expected to find more fascinating. I thought I'd be all about you know, Gitan and Sartre yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Kind of stuff. I thought I'd find those bits like the most um, exciting bits. But it was the bits where he was talking about. Oh God, I've forgotten his name now. The the two German philosophers. I've ages since I've read it. Um. Oh, their names have totally escaped. Heidegger and. Hegel. Was it Hegel? Schopenhauer. No. They were they were well, contemporary yeah, yeah they were contemporaries for a while right oh that's terrible that I forgot anyway but it was about their schism and about how Heidegger I think went a, a bit Nazi that's <laughs> yes yes and um, I'm just the parallels of reading how um, the the public discourse was in the thirties and what it is what it's been like for the last few years I I, I really found it not. Te- well, no, not terrified, but just I was very taken by by Who's the him? parallels. M- maybe it was him. Could have been him. Yeah. I think it was him. Yeah. See, that <laughs> philosophy degree hasn't gone to waste, Mum. If you're listening, four years of studying that. Anyway, I... I I just you know when you're reading one of those books and you just want to. Uh, like I don't do this on social media at all. Is when you want to like big, just put big quoted yeah, chunks yeah, on yeah, and yeah. be it's like, see, see. But um, I don't do that kind of thing on social media because I value my health. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I wanna, from the list that I have, the book I'm going to finish off with is mm-hmm. one I haven't reviewed it yet because I've not long finished mm-hmm. reading it. But it's M. J. Nichols' um, Scotland before uh, the bomb. And a and now I've said that out loud. I'm wondering, is that the name of it? So I'll double check that. <laughs> but a 
we've, we've looked at his books before. Mm. I think we've spoke, talked about them. last year yeah. might have been. Yeah. yeah. Um, a really interesting writer to me. Again, experimental literary fiction, packed full of ideas. I mean, uh, and this is no exception. So the way it works is Scotland has not just become independent, set in the future, right. set quite a distance in the future, <laughs> although the different chapters are from different times, uh, looking back. Um, you know you're going to, well, I knew I was going to enjoy this, where after um, uh, Scotland wins its independence, after 2019, you should know, um, <laughs> and Nicola Sturgeon steps down, and Alistair Gray becomes the first minister. Alistair Gray? <laughs> becomes the first minister of Scotland. <laughs> Uh, and this is in the introduction. <laughs> and I can, yeah, I am going to love this. And I'm a massive fan uh, of the, uh, his work anyway. So, um, uh, and what happens is Scotland loves independence. So, wants to go another bit forward, and all the individual places vote for independence on their own. Oh, really? So, you so know. We be- so, we become like little different, like little, America. All sorts, yeah, but in, in within, <laughs> and, and different stories to each of them. So, what it, it actually reads like um, a collection of slightly odd short stories you know right. and some of them aren't stories some of them are lists you know the way he, he does it there are lists of words there are interviews there are um, illustrations in some of them uh, there are question and, uh, and answer um, forms to, that have been filled in all sorts of weird things but they're all very kind of individual uh, I don't want to give too much because I'm still going to review it but uh, it's a very good book. But it's, it's not out yet, though, is um, it? I don't think it is. I think I've got this will be a review copy I've got. Right, okay. Um, so when it is, uh, look out for it because um, it's a superb book and it is M.G. Nichols' uh, Scotland Before the Bomb. And as I say, if that's <laughs> wrong, we'll make sure that's right before <laughs> we finish this. But. Is there any books? I'd like to talk about poetry if we have, because you haven't mentioned any at all. All right, okay. Uh If that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Well, uh, my favourite poetry book of the year uh, came out on the aforementioned 404 Inc. And it was Let Me Tell You This Mm. by Nadine Ashia Jassat. Yes. Um, It's just, I I, I was lucky enough to see uh, her read from um, the book at... Glasgow Uni for one of the creative conversations mm. that are often on there and uh, then read the book oh, and had a talk to her on a podcast yeah. again it's just um, beautiful personal um, uh, poems that uh, make me realise I should really read a lot more poetry <laughs> uh, th- th- than I do but yeah it's a yeah, tremendous the, collection the, yeah the, the healthy state of, of poetry has been uh, has been a thing for me this year because I, I went to the launch of that in, Ed- in Edinburgh um, and not only was Nadine performing there but also Hannah L- Lavery or Lavery yeah. um, and she is amazing as well like that 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 launch was one of my favorite event um, book events of of the year, and um, uh, Hannah Lavery is published by Stuart Rhubarb, which oh. um, specialises in publishing books from performance poets and those are on the spoken word scene. And they also did um, Jenny Lindsay's uh, book, The Script, yeah, and uh, which again was a really really great show and great book too. Because, like. A lot with performance poetry, um, 
there's can sometimes be ones that that perform best on the stage yeah. and ones that work on the page as well. And I think that's definitely the case with with Jenny's poems. Jenny's cut what is, I she's kind of one of these people that I think why is she not more famous? Mm-hmm. Why is she not as well known as like Liz Lockhead and I all that kind? Completely like, agree. Like, she just. She's been doing this for a, a wee while, and she's—I've never seen her do a dud show, or or anything like that. She—I I think she deserves. She's fantastic. <laughs> she deserves all our support. Yeah. And I'm really pleased you mentioned Stu Rubard Press because I think, um, in terms of a, a publishing story, mm. they are one of the best ones of the last few years because they really champion um, a poets you've mentioned some of them there but also Ross McCleary yeah. she, the, uh, Rachel McCrums yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and Harry Josephine Giles as well and I many think, more yeah, I think I've featured every single Stuart Rubard well, book on, on the Books from Scotland site they yeah. really should be I mean, go, and go to on their website and you can check out what they've they're got they're beautiful as well yeah yeah, yeah um, exactly no. because often even recently, you know, poetry collections were thought of. You would have a plain cover and they'd be sold in a brown paper bag. And, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, there wasn't much love and care and attention, maybe, that there should have been to mm. them. But Studio Bar yeah. are there to do just that. And they, Give them the love that they deserve. Yeah, they've just announced today, I think, that they're doing a subscription uh, um, oh, really? deal with the books that they're releasing next year. So you should definitely um, it w- it won't be a waste of money chancing your arm on on getting one of those subscriptions, which is similar to um, what speculative books do. They're yes, another one that, that publish a lot of um, performance poets, um, and uh, again they they do a subscription model where you get when you put your money down and you get every single book that they publish each month, and I think that's a brilliant way to do it. Um, and to, talking of uh, performance uh, nights, we uh, I went to quite a few Sonnet Youth mm. events this year, uh, which are run by Kevin P. Gilday and Kat Hepburn, both of whom, like Jenny Lindsay, had Edinburgh yeah. shows this year. See, I've never been to a Sonnet Youth event, which is bad. <laughs> and I'm ashamed of it. I think they're mainly but over I, in the West, you know, in, in Glasgow. I think they, they do do some over yeah, in Yeah, they Edinburgh, do it at the... The Gilded Balloon. Oh, you'd love them, they're great. Yeah, um, but I did see both their Edinburgh shows um, and I thought I thought they were brilliant. I saw Jenny's Edinburgh show. I saw, for the Fringe this year, I just concentrated on spoken word because yeah. I thought, I'll not overwhelm myself with all the choices, I'll just pick something and stick to it. And then both their shows were brilliant. And if you can get along to a Sonnet Youth Night, you really should because they're great, they're... It's uh, there's music and there's comedy and there's basically anything that they can decide to create and put on <laughs> and they're really well created and both um, uh, Kevin and, and Kat are worth seeing for them alone never yeah. mind uh, the other people that go there but I've seen some great nights there and they do open mic nights as well there's all sorts they are very uh, pissy people <laughs> yeah I've won well that's the thing you know we were talking about um, Beer Jacket earlier on and that's the thing with a lot of these um, new writers is that they're all slash, so they're not just one thing. They're they're like poet slash performer strass, and I think that's a really exciting thing. Well, um, there's a new album coming out very soon by Kevin Peagledy in the Glasgow Cross. That, oh, right, okay. So you know he's musician, <laughs> theatre. I mean, uh, yeah, he he really does kind of um, have lots of slashes <laughs> to his name, and I think you're right. There are many other people that are. I mean, partly it's kind of what you have to do if you want yeah. to be an artistic mm. person. 
and 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 you know make your living and they would be laughing at that some of them yeah. but make your, you know as as an artist I think in yeah any but way. it's it's exciting to it's really exciting because it means well it just it means that you don't have long to wait for at least something of <laughs> interest true. to come out that's true and talking <laughs> about people who are always busy I would like to mention we did mention him uh, earlier on in the chat but Stephen Watt. Mm. Um, who, uh, as I've said a few times, is Dumbarton FC's poet in residence. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I think in Scotland, it's only him that's the only football He's the only football in I think in that's right. He did say there was another one, but I think there might have, in England there's a couple more. Right. But um, that aside, Stephen, uh, I, I did an event with him recently, um, and he is just such a great um, performer, and his poetry so uh, uh, fantastic. He'll touch on any subject mm. and bring it to life. Um, we mentioned mixtape, which was all about his uh, experiences with music, whether listening, going to gigs, you know, or, or meeting other people, all of that stuff. And also Fairy Rock, which was his crime yeah. noir written in verse, which again. It's so brutal in places, <laughs> you know. Because from the first line, practically, you're just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> it's 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 because it um, seems such a kind of charismatic and lovely man. Yeah. And and then when you can see audiences are going, "Well, what did you just say? <laughs> yeah. What did you just say?" And it's uh, yeah, the first um, page of Fairy <laughs> Rock. Well, I was going to say have you in a vice-like grip but that's just about well. no, it's just about maybe the wrong way of putting it but it will certainly grab you if well hmm. in, ways, in more ways than one um, so we've been going for a wee while now so let's think about what you're maybe looking forward to in 2020 if you can well, in 2020, I am definitely looking forward to uh, hopefully Jenny Fagan's new novel. Oh, yes. Luckin' Booth, I think it's going to be mm-hmm. called. Or it's it was called that, I think. Maybe, I just remembered maybe... something else I'm looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on your case. So, um, so that's coming out soon. And again, very similar to sort of Constitution Street, I suppose. And, and it's from what I know of it, it's set in a single Edinburgh tenement and it's about the life stories of different people that have lived in the in the stair. Um, so I'm really interested to for that. Um, uh, I'm look, looking forward to uh, the second Miss Blaine uh, oh, yes. mystery oh, um, with the vampire menace. <sighs> <laughs> So um, I love the first one yeah, so much. Too. So I'm looking forward to the second one. Um, Kirsten Innes's Scabby Queen. That's the one I just remembered. Yeah, I have to mention that now. I, I interviewed uh, uh, Kirsten for Fishnet. Oh, quite a while ago now, and she was talking about Scabby Queen then. Yeah, and it's finally coming yeah. out, and it's for me the most eagerly awaited novel yeah. of recent uh-huh. times. Cannot wait for that to yeah. come out. And it's definitely coming out next year, so I'm looking forward to that one. Also next year, um, so Polygon had the, had the big Muriel Spark centenary yes. in 2018. Mm-hmm. 2020, they're doing a big project on Edwin Morgan's centenary. Mm-hmm. Um, which and there's going to be a big um, conference at Glasgow University as ah, well. Right, a Morgan okay. conference. 
So there'll be lots of Morgans. We'll be talking about Edwin Morgan this time next year. We'll, do that, <laughs> right? well I, I got a I got a little preview today of the um, of what the poly- Polyglon's plans are because I was speaking to Edward, the poetry editor mm-hmm. at Polygon, and I was like, "Tell me all about your Edwin Morgan." So it's going. What they've done is in conjunction with Carcanet, which are his yeah. publishers down south. Um, they, what they've done is they've picked. Um, different poems from Edwin, and they they're making small little books based on a theme. So there's love, there's animals, there's Scotland, there's space and aliens, and there's people and places. And each one of them are introduced by um, special authors. So we've got um, Jackie Kay doing love, Liz Lockhead doing Scotland. Um, uh, Ali Smith doing People and Places, Michael Rosen doing Animals, and Ken McLeod doing Space. Fabulous. And um, so each book takes his poems of that theme, and they're really gorgeous, really lovely um, little A format books. And they're also selling them in a in a box set as well. So you can buy them individually, or you can buy them in a in a box set. And the box set is only twenty pounds. So get your orders in because bargain. it is. It's a, such a bargain. I am absolutely slapping my money down for that next year. <laughs> well, the, I, I'm looking forward to again mainly to do with novels. One is Chris McQueer's novel. Oh yes, out. yes. He read a little bit of that um, at the Book Week Scotland event that I did with him, and I, I was just like. Get that written and get that out because I need to hear more of this. Yes, I'm really looking forward to that. Well, uh, he promises it is on the way. Um, I can't wait to see what David Keenan does next because apparently he's got something coming out um, fairly soon. And um, I I think I reviewed just recently on the website was uh, Good Listeners, which was Brian Hamill. Right, uh uh-huh. And uh, with Alan Warner. So Uh three stories by Alan Warner, three stories by Brian Hamill. Yeah. And Brian, uh, it was published by The Common Breath, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is a really interesting project that Brian is behind, Mm -hmm. and it really is to try and get new fiction published. I think it is mainly fiction published. So I would go to the website and see what he's offering and things like that, but a new publisher's always a yeah. reason for cheer. Yeah. And, you know, Brian has been in publishing for a long time and he's involved with the Word magazine. Right, okay. Yeah, uh-huh. and a lot of the James Kelman yeah, stuff. J- yeah, because he, he'll be... Get, he, well, he's releasing a book this month, James Kelman with the Word, mm-hmm. um, on Kurdistan. Yeah. And then I think next year there's going to be a novel and a short story collection and memoir. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know how much Brian is involved with the Word anymore, but mm-hmm. I think he's still involved with the Kelman project. Right. And, and uh, Common Breath. And, you know, so here's someone who is just, you know, going for it and really um, should be supported yeah. in, in these endeavours. Well, I mean, the, there's new Scottish publishers coming up all the time. This year, um, we've, like, Publishing Scotland has got a record number Number oh, of brilliant. members because just new micro presses keep popping up everywhere and it's just it's just it's just been such a pleasure to to see um uh and um we work with a lot of of, of these of these new publishers and um more established publishers as well sure. and it's been it's been a good it's been a great year for the for the publishers i mean sandstone who won publisher of the year yeah. at the saltires they have had a Brilliant year. I mean, not least winning the Man International Booker with Celestial Bodies. Yeah, of course. Which is a brilliant book. It's really, really great. Um, 
and they, they're just going from strength to strength. And Charcoal Press as well, mm-hmm. they're a brilliant micro-publisher. That, they're based in Scotland, but they only publish um, translations of Latin American books. Oh, yes. And um, they, they won Best um, Small Publisher of the Year at the Nibbies. And it's really good to hear because for a couple of years you felt... Well, obviously, you know, some were just closing and that was it. Yeah. But also that maybe there was um, people moving out and moving away. And that's really good to hear that there's... No, there's a, there's a real energy in, in, in publishing at the moment, which is... Um, it's great. It's great. And, the, and it's also... There's just such a variety of the kind of publishing coming in Scotland. And this notion that, like... Um, that Scottish publishing is only of interest to people in Scotland. Yeah. It's just such a fallacy yeah. when you when you see that Sandstone are winning a Man International Booker Award from the very first Omani translation mm-hmm. and Charcoal Press are winning tons of awards for their Latin American books and yeah, it's 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 been great to to, to watch them um, go from strength to strength. And just um Coming out at the moment, we've got a new literary magazine as well. Yes, extra teeth. Extra teeth. Yeah, yeah. there's been yeah, there's a lot of well, I, see, I count the new four hundred four magazine as a new magazine because yeah. they sort of just they relaunched it. And, and but you know that's the thing. There's four hundred four gutters have seen yeah. had a real resurgence yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, new right in Scotland and the Word, as we mentioned, yeah. which is a magazine in its own right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, I don't think um, everybody that are that are involved in all these projects are making a load of money out of it, but they're certainly um, they're just refreshing and regenerating the our, our cultural scene, and yeah. um, I I kind of get enough of it. <laughs> and well, another new thing which which goes on with that, uh, which I'm looking forward to in the new year, is the Paisley. Book Festival, yes, um, which uh, has got a fantastic lineup. Um, but the main thing I'm looking forward to, there's going to be a big birthday bash for John Byrne and John Byrne's 80th uh, birthday. I should really Paisley. check to see that the tickets have not sold out oh, yet. Go for it. You don't want to miss out on that, you know. Um, I've got, I'll be sitting there like a stalker with matching moustache. <laughs> Uh, with them, but uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, um, Kira Brown uh, is um, helping to organise that, and um, I'll be hopefully doing lots of stuff to promote it. Oh, Because really? I'm really excited uh, to just hopefully have another on a podcast and, and doing that kind of thing. Because um, the more book festivals and the more publishers and the more books and the more opportunities, yeah, to get new writers out there, the better. Absolutely. And I think that's a good place to finish. Thank you, Vicky. It's been great to talk to you as ever. You too. And we'll be back soon with, I think, the best Scottish films. But uh, you'll find out when we are. Cheers. Mm-hmm.